uh, someone can give me a quick mic check please that would be appreciated Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wal-Aqibatu lil-Muttaqeen Wal-A'udwana illa ala al-Zalimeen Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allahu Wahdahu la sharika lah Ilahu al-Awwalina wal-Akhirin Wa ashadu anna nabiyyana Muhammadan Abduhu wa rasooluhu al-Mustafa al-Ameen Allahumma salli wa sallim Wa barika ala abduka wa rasoolika Muhammadin Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Amma ba'd So welcome to Another QP special and inshallah ta'ala today as we announced last week we're finally going to get around to doing the special that I've been planning for some time now and that is the reading of the six or the, the different sciences of Quranic reading. So last week um, kind of like as an, a prelude and an introduction to this particular uh, special we did a special on the on the subject matter of Rasam which is Quranic script. Um, and we went through like a number of things and you know we tried to do it in a practical way and inshallah ta'ala it's going to be something similar today um, and that is because as we're going to mention in a short while it's kind of important to have at least a background or a, a very basic overview of what these sciences mean and what they refer to in order to be able to appreciate today's um, today's lesson as well so uh, I think last week someone um, said to me that I missed some questions that were posted uh, I, I, I didn't actually see any questions, so I apologize for that if that was the case. So if I can ask if anyone did have any questions from last week or there was some like, um, you know, something something uh, that, that people had that I didn't get around to or wasn't mentioned in the lesson, uh, please just post it in today's uh, notes. You can start posting it from now and then inshallah ta'ala when I, as, I, as we progress, uh, we can speak about that inshallah ta'ala. So today what we're going to do, as I said, is we're kind of going to do an overview of how six Quranic sciences work together and how uh, the scholars of the past when they would learn Quran and teach Quran that they would, wouldn't just focus on, on for example, Tajweed by itself but what they would try to do is amalgamate a number of sciences and the reason why this is done as you can see for example with the class that we did last week on the science of Rasm or Quranic script it's a very practical science if I was just to sit here and I didn't do the whole uh, screen share thing and I didn't ask you to open a Quran and by the way today would also be a good idea to have a Quran with you or in front of you or a whether it's on a tablet or a physical Quran and we're going to show some like passages anyway but it may just be easier for you to follow along if you have your own copy in front of you um, but if we were just to sit here and just say oh you know by the way in the Rasm you don't put an Alif sometimes like for example in the Alameen it's very difficult to, to envisage that and some of these things we've seen and we've noticed, but we don't really remember them unless you have like a photographic memory. It's kind of difficult to bring it up into your mind. So the reason why these sciences were done in this way, when you go to a teacher and for example, you're reading the Quran to him from beginning to end, for example, like for an ijazah, when you're going to get the whole transmission chain all the way back to the Prophet ﷺ, they would teach it in this way because as you're going through it, the teacher can stop you, he can tell you to look at something, tell you to open the Quran, tell you to have a look, tell you to focus on something. And then now all of a sudden these sciences start to make a lot more sense and they start to come together. And it's like Tajweed. Tajweed is a science which its theory you know, is something, but until a person practices it, reads with Tajweed, reads it to a teacher with Tajweed, the theoretical knowledge of, of, of Tajweed is, is, is somewhat limited in terms of its benefits. So all this has to be a practical thing and very similar to that is the other sciences that are kind of connected to the uh, the Quranic reading. 
and we call them the sciences of Quranic reading because obviously there are sciences that are non-Quranic reading, like for example tafsir, for example, like some of the other ulum al-Quran, like knowing what is Makki and what is Madani, knowing for example what is Nasikh and Mansukh, the abrogated uh, verses and abrogation in the Quran, all of this stuff, all of these are Quranic sciences. However, we're speaking about six in particular, and that is the sciences that are related to Quranic reading. So, uh, let me share my screen. Uh, and I apologize, last week it was very glitchy when we did this, but alhamdulillah, we've been kind of like back and forth on this today. And, and Shaz, mashallah, as always, has kind of like put in some time and effort, and he's uh, managed to deal with this problem. So let's um, let's hope, hopefully, this works better than what I anticipated last week. So. We have six Quranic sciences that we're going to refer to, and um, I'm going to mention them. So these are the ones that we mentioned, like we've already mentioned these uh, before, but uh, just so that we're, we're clear. So the first one would be Tajweed. So Tajweed is one of the Quranic sciences. We know Tajweed very well. We understand what it means. You know, I think most people here don't need uh, don't need much of an introduction when it comes to that science. Number two will be qiraat, right? And qiraat are those different modes of recitation. So, for example, we have, as we know, the recitation of Nafi' and the recitation of Ibn Kathir, and so on and so forth. And we did a special on this a couple of years back, and I think it's still available, uh, you know, on the portal. And so, therefore, that's something which, if you're not familiar with, I would recommend that you go through that as well, just so that it'll start to make a lot more sense what it is that we're trying to do here. Number three is the numbering of verses. So numbering of verses. This is Abdul Ay, and this is the first special that we did this year. So the first special, or the, was it the last special? I think it was the first special that we did this academic year, which is the numbering of verses and how those numbering of verses differ from uh, Mus'haf to Mus'haf. And number four is the one that we did last week, which is script. Right? In Arabic it is called Rasam. In English we would call it the Quranic script. Number five will be what we call diacritical markings. Um, okay, I think I spelled that wrong. Uh, but you understand what I mean. Diacritical markings, and those are basically the vowels and the Fatha, Dhamma, Kasra, all of that stuff that comes alongside the, uh, the Quran. And then number six is also something which we which we covered, which we covered um, I think earlier on in the year, and that is or maybe the end of last year maybe even, uh, and that is the science of stop and start right waqf wal ibtida. So these are the different sciences that we have when it comes to when it comes to this particular uh, this particular. A particular Quranic readings. So the Quranic readings are essentially these. These are the Quranic readings. It just keeps like jumping. So, so these are the Quranic readings. So we can see Tajweed, we can see Qiraat, we can see numbering of verses, we can see script, we can see diacritical markings, we can see stop and start. These are the six uh, different Quranic sciences. Now, from these six Quranic sciences, as we've mentioned before, four are what we call Tawqifi. And those are the first four. So the first four are called Tawqifi in Arabic. Tawqifi, which means restricted. Right? Tawqifi means restricted. And it means, therefore, it's restricted to the text. 
these two are what we call ijtihadi. And ijtihadi means that it's allowed or it's possible for the scholars to come together and try to understand what it is that they're doing in terms of, you know, there may be differences of opinion, differences of position. And so the scholars use their, their ability in terms of, you know, using the principles of that science. They'll, they'll determine what is considered to be the best way of doing this. So the first four, tajweed, qiraat, numbering of verses, script, these are all things that go back to the time of the Prophet وسلم, and the companions Adopt, as we said before, is something which, uh, which is the voweling system and so on. That's something which came later on towards the Umayyad dynasty. And starting and stopping has always been something which you find the general principles for. But in terms of the actual place in the Quran, or does that fit that marking or that marking? It's like a bit like fiqh in the sense that you have the general texts, but whether you, you know, how you extract that ruling differs from person to person. So for example, we'll say in the Quran you have a waqf tam, you have a complete stop. But then the scholars may differ in a particular verse, is that complete there or not complete? And so therefore that's why you have that difference of opinion over there. So these are the basically the six sciences that we have. So when you're going through with a teacher, you will do perhaps all six or at least five of these six. The only one that you may not do depending on your level and what type of ijazah you're getting is number two, which is qiraat. Because obviously that's like something which is a whole other level. And so if someone's going and just reading hafs, the teacher may point out qira'at to them just so that they can understand some of the issues to do with script, like we mentioned last week. Some of the script issues of the Qur'an are to do with allowing for multiple qira'at. They may point that stuff out in that context, but they won't be going through the whole of the issue of the qira'at and so on, because clearly you know, that's for someone who is, uh, is, isn't just looking at one qira'at, but they're looking at like all of the qira'at or multiple qira'at. And so that's the only one of the six that a teacher may not do uh, with a student depending on their level. But the other five would be something that the teacher would do, and sometimes all six as well. And as I said, you know, the qira'at one may be brought in here and there just to show some certain things. So what we're going to do, inshallah ta'ala, today is we're going to actually look at the way that that would work in a practical way or at least to the best of our ability. And we have, as you can see, like three or four surahs that I wanted to um, just use as an example. Uh, hoping, hope, hoping that that's like something which inshallah ta'ala will make sense to us. So uh, let's, for example, begin with Surah Al-Fatiha. And I've tried to choose surahs that you know, we're kind of all familiar with or, or it's easy for us to kind of refer to. Uh, and so we'll start with Surah Al-Fatiha. So Surah Al-Fatiha... Uh, one of the first things that, for example, you would do when it comes to Surah Al-Fatiha is you would look at, uh, you would look at Addul Ay, Addul Ay, and Addul Ay means numbering of verses. So as we said before, the Mus'hafs that are that are considered to be the the main Mus'hafs, so the 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 uh, you know the the Mus'hafs that was sent out in the time of Uthman, radiyallahu an, you have the Mus'haf of Medina. There are two the Mus'haf, which is called Al-Madani Al-Awwal, and then Al-Madani Al-Akhir. Then you have the Mus'haf of Mecca, you have the Mus'haf of Kufa, you have the Mus'haf of Sham, and you have the Mus'haf of Basra. And then you have one or two others that the scholars differ over. But generally speaking, these are the Mus'hafs that the scholars still to today refer to. There is, as we said before, slight variances in terms of what is considered to be a verse or not when it comes to that particular issue. So we'll see some examples of that, of how that happens, inshallah, as we go through today. But when it comes to Surah Al-Fatiha, the vast majority of the Ummah, in fact, some of the, a number of the scholars said by ijma' by consensus, they said that Surah Al-Fatiha is seven verses. 
And that is because there are numerous, as we know, texts that refer to this surah as being the Sab'ul Mathani, the seven oft repeated verses. And so, therefore, the number seven has kind of been mentioned in a number of texts anyway, which is why the position of the majority of the scholars, and in fact, all of the Mus'hafs agree on this issue anyway. So, even if there was a difference of opinion, which you will find the odd scholar here or there saying, no, actually, there's eight verses or six or whatever, that is a, you know, a, a shad, it's a peculiar opinion. Because the whole of the Ummah in terms of its Mus'hafs have agreed, all of the Imams of Qira'at and, and, and Qira'ah of the recitation of the Qur'an that take all of their Sanads and their transmissions all the way back to the companions of the Prophet wasallam. all of them agree that it's seven verses. So therefore, in that issue it is agreed upon in terms of the total number of verses. However, there is a difference of opinion amongst them concerning the numbering of those verses in the Surah, meaning which one where does number one stop? Where, and so the numbering within the surah is something which is agreed upon, uh, which, which is differed upon. So the total numbers agreed upon, the exact surah, the exact verses and where they end, that's what's differed upon. As opposed to where in some surahs of the Quran, that actually affects like the actual difference is in the total number of verses in the surah, as we will see inshallah ta'ala in the forthcoming examples that we're going to have. So for example, uh, just so that we have an example here, when it comes to Addul Ay, as you can see here, number one verse in our Quran, in the Mus'haf that we use, which is the Kufi Mus'haf, because we read from Hafs and Asim, which is a Kufi Imam, we count verse number one to be Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. And the Makki Mus'haf also agrees. So two of the Mus'hafs agree that the first verse of Surah Al Fatiha is Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, and that is why you have number one at the end of this verse whereas if you were to look at Surah Al-Baqarah you look at any other Surah of the Quran that Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim at the beginning won't be counted as a verse of that Surah so the only exception to that rule and only then in the Makki and Kufi Mus'hafs is Surah Al-Fatiha now if you were to go to for example the Shami one the Basri one the Madanis one the, the two Madani ones they wouldn't consider Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim to be verse number one so for us we consider Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim verse number one. Then what do we do in the last verse? We say, Sirat al-Ladina namta alayhim ghayr al-Maghdubi alayhim wal al-Dalin. Right. So we've kind of like just finished from uh, made that verse into one, and so we have seven in total. Now those Imams of of Basra, for example, of Medina, of Sham, who said that Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is not verse number one, where do they get their seventh verse? And how do they add? Where do they have to have another stop now. Something has to be a verse added somewhere to get the number seven. So what they will do is they will say that over here, Sirat al-Ladina an'amta alayhim, that's a stop. That's the end of the verse. Ghayr al-Maghdubi alayhim maladdalin is the end of a verse. So they add number seven at Sirat al-Ladina an'amta alayhim. Now we go and we see how these sciences are going to be linked together. When we were going through al-Waqf and Ibtida' the science of starting and stopping and we said that's an ijtihadi one that's the one where the scholars know the principles and they have to decide is this a place where you can stop now does that ruling apply here or doesn't it apply here right because we know uh, for example that what the scholars did is that they gave us just a general overview right as ibn al-jazari for example says imam al-jazari says in his jazariya wa ba'da tajweedika lil hurufi la budda min ma'rifati al-wuqufi wal ibtida'i wa hiya tuqsamu idhan he said that now we know the tajweed, we have to understand that when it comes to stopping, there's three types of stops. One that is tam, one that is kaf, and one that is hasan. Now which one of these goes to which verse? 
that's something where the scholars would have different positions and different views and opinions. However, one golden principle to remember when it comes to starting and stopping is that always it is from the Sunnah that if you're going to stop at the end of a verse or stopping at the end of the verse, as we said, is a Sunnah, right? It's something which which is permissible, which is allowed for a person to uh, to do. Uh, let me just sorry, let me just scroll down slightly so you can see uh, you can see the whole page inshallah ta'ala so therefore as we said what do the scholars say they say that if you know as we know from the sunnah the prophet would stop at the end of every verse so now if something is the end of a verse in one mushaf even if though it may not be the end of a verse for us in another mushaf in our version of the mushaf that stop is still correct for us it is considered to be a correct stop because that's something which is a verse in another surah. And the verse, the end of the verse, is always a place to stop, as is mentioned in the hadith of Ummu Salama and others, ajma'in, that the Prophet would stop at the end of the verses. So, therefore, when we say, Sirat al alayhim, even though it's not a verse here, an ending verse in our particular numbering, nor, as you can see, even in the Mus'haf here, have they even put a one of those marks to indicate that it's even a pause, that you can just pause and stop here if you wish. We know though, because of that principle, that it's permissible for you to stop, which is why, as you know, many of the Imams, when they recite this verse, they will say, Sirat and they will take a breath. And then they will carry on, And so that's something, which is, so now you can see already at the beginning, already working together. Then what we will do is, as we're progressing, we'll look at, for example, you know, and, and the way that this would normally be done, by the way, is once we've done this small introduction, the student will start reading. He will say, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And then he will start to read, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And the teacher will stop him. So the teacher will say, for example, okay, let's stop now. Remember last week when we spoke about this issue, right? We said, for example, when it comes to Rasim, Quranic script, one of the things that happens, or one of these six categories that we discussed, is hadth. Something is removed, something is deleted. And one of the examples that we gave is this word here, which is al-alameen. Right? And we said al-alameen, when it comes to that word, we have it written without the alif, as opposed to the way that we would normally write in Arabic language. And I gave an example of that last week, we did the whole writing out and so on. And so that's something which you will see that the teacher will mark out. And so now you're looking at a rasm. Right, you're looking at the way a rasm works. And so he will say to you, for example, that the general ruling is, the general ruling, and as we said last week, there's exceptions to this and so on, but the general rule is, in ruling is that a jam' mudhakkar salim, you remove the alif. Jam' mudhakkar salim, it means the plural that is correct in its form, correct in its form and the male uh, in the male tense or in the male, uh, in the masculine form. So for example, the word alam, as we know in the Arabic language, every word, noun and verb, is either masculine or feminine form. When it comes to the masculine form, if you were to take that word and make it into a plural, two things, one or two things can happen. Either you keep the actual form of the word alam and you just add something to the end, or you break up the actual form of the word and then the plural comes about by breaking up the form of the word. Jam' mudhakkar salim is the plural of the masculine form that you contain, you remain in the pure form, you remain the pure form of the word. So alam, we don't change. We're just going to add two letters at the end, ya and noon. So when that happens in the Arabic language, generally in the script of the Quran, not in the Arabic language generally, sorry, in the script of the Quran, they remove the alif. So al-alamin, 
for example, becomes like this, as-salihin, for example, as we said uh, before, um, al-qaniteen, for example, as we said in the example that we gave last week, and other, you know, many examples that you will find as you come across the Qur'an. So that's another thing that you will do now. Then the teacher will say to you also, for example, remember, and then you start to do the tajweed part. So the tajweed part, for example, will be alhamdu, right? The first word of the second verse, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. It's a common mistake. When people read the word alhamdu, they make the alif at the beginning heavy as opposed to right. They say alhamd, uh, alhamdu, rather than alhamdu, right? And this is something which you know, Ibn Jazali himself in his famous poetry in, in, in Tajweed, he actually mentioned this because of how common it is. Right, he said, فَرَقِّقًا مُسْتَفِلًا مِنْ أَحْرُفِي وَحَاذِرًا تَفْقِيمَ لَفْضِ الْأَلِفِي وَهَمْزُ أَلْحَمْدُ أَعُوذُ إِهْدِنَا And so he said, the hamza of alhamdu, a'udhu, ihdina, these you have to remember to make them light because most people will make them heavy. They say, alhamdu, a'udhu, and so they make it heavy. And so now you're doing tajweed as well. Usually if someone's going to this level of, um, you know, of, of combining between these sciences, you'll find that generally the tajweed will be obviously of a higher level than this, so that they shouldn't be making those types of kind of simple mistakes. But generally speaking, anyway, uh, that's something which, which you will find. Then qiraat may come into it, for example. So the teacher may say, for example, look at this word maliki, right? This is to do with our script. And this is one of the things that we mentioned last week also. And we said, for example, when it comes to certain script issues in the Quran, then it's to do with the qiraat and the differences in qiraat so for example we will say when it comes to maliki the alif is removed to allow for the other qiraat to take place as well which is maliki right so we know maliki is our qiraat asim and kisai and yaqub and khalaf al-ashir four of the ten qiraat we say maliki but if you were to read in nafi' you were to read in ibn, Abu, ibn kathir or abu amr or ibn amir you're going to be saying maliki yawmiddin malik means owner maliki means king and so again, you're going to change up the way that that's done. Uh, likewise, the word is as-sirat, right? As-sirat, we say with the sad, but Qunbul, who's one of the narrators of Ibn Kathir, Ruiz, who's one of the narrators of Yaqub, they say with the seen, sirat. And Hamza does something which we call ishmam, which is zirat. And so now you have these differences that the teacher, depending on your level, may go through, he may not go through, he may say, that's something which we don't need to focus on because we're not doing qiraat, or he may say that it's something which we need to do as well. One of, out of the six sciences that we that I mentioned at the beginning, uh, by the way, the only one that I have, we haven't done a special on, and inshallah ta'ala, it'll be something that we'll look to do maybe now, either at the end of this academic year or maybe the beginning of next year, is the ilm of adabt, which is the diacritical markings, these vowels and all of these dots and so on and so forth. That's something, inshallah ta'ala, which we will look into more detail. And so don't worry so much about that. Um, but again, it's something which you will see that the teacher will mention and, and we'll give some examples as we progress uh, further on. Um, the second uh, passage that I wanted to go through was the first page of Surah Al-Baqarah. So if you have the first page of Surah Al-Baqarah, um, and again, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty much doing the same thing. So the, the student would then read the rest of Surah Fatiha, the teacher stopping them, and he's just pointing these things out. By the way, when it comes to, for example, Rasam, uh, and, uh, you know, Rasam is something, and Andabt, diatrical markings and script, the teacher will just give you the general principles. He's not going to stop you each and every single time and say, oh, look at this, look at that. He'll tell you the first few times so that you kind of get used to the idea, and then it's kind of left to you too. Uh, to do the rest. Uh, for example, when it comes to Addul Ay, however, 
every single surah of the Quran. So this is something which Alhamdulillah I had the opportunity to practically do with, with the teacher that we went through the whole Quran for ijazah from beginning to end using all of these sciences and combining between them. And so literally in every single surah we stopped. Right? And the teacher actually asked us, he said, look, some students don't like this, too much information, they get confused. And so I don't always do this, but do you guys want us to do this? And I said, yeah, I said, like, it's important. That's the whole reason we're doing this so that we can get this knowledge that you don't normally get when, you, when it comes to reading the Quran. So every single surah of the Quran, we stopped and we did numbering of verses and the differences in the verses. So, for example, where does it stop now? In Surah Fatiha, it's easy because it's only seven verses, one page. But in Surah Baqarah, as we will see, there's like multiple differences. So you're going to be stopping throughout the whole of the surah and making those issues and so on. Not only that, but we did waqf and ibtida. And when it comes to waqf and ibtida, starting and stopping, as I said, it's something which the scholars may differ over the imams. I'm talking about not just the average Muslim or qari. I'm talking about the imams of this science. Even they have differences of opinion. So what we decided that we would do is we would go to one of the greatest of them and one of the most well-known, and that was Abu Amr al-Dani. Rahimahullah ta'ala, he has a book called Al-Muqtafa. He has a book that he wrote on this issue. And as you know, for those of you that are regular attendees, we've spoken about Adani before a number of times. He is one of the major, major Imams of Qiraat and all to, everything to do with Quranic sciences, especially Quranic reading sciences. Considered to be one of the greatest Imams of all time, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, Brahmatihil Wasi'ah. So it's difficult because if you're going to go through the whole Quran and you want Shatibi, and you know, and often Shatibi will actually agree with Adani. But you're, you're trying to get multiple imams, it can become very difficult to include all of them into a single reading without becoming confusing or very lengthy. So we chose Imam al-Dani. We just said, okay, let's see what he does. And what we then did is compared it to the Mus'haf that we normally have, which is the Saudi printed one. You know, that's the one that we a lot of us use, use for our daily reading. And so we compared it and we saw, okay, Imam al-Dani says this and they chose this. And, and that's fine because as we said, it's an issue of, you know, one where scholars are allowed to make their own judgments but just to give you like a general example of how that would work so we're not going to go through you know that much detail this class isn't going to be long enough uh, but what we will do inshallah ta'ala instead is uh, so in surah al-baqarah for example one of the things that we will learn is that there is a difference of opinion in terms of the numbering of verses so the numbering that we have which is the kufi numbering is that surah al-baqarah has 286 verses right that's what we know but actually the uh, Hijazi Mus'haf and Hijazi means Makki and Madani because that whole province is called Hijaz so when we say Hijazi we mean the two Madani ones and the Makki one together they're called Hijazi so three Mus'hafs and Shami so four altogether they say that there's 285 verses so they have one less and the Basri one has one more so they say 287 so the first of those differences by the way is this one right here Alif Lam Meen only the Kufi Mus'haf calls that an ayah, end of an ayah. For all the other Mus'hafs, it's not the end of an ayah, it will be Alif Lam Mim. And then they'll have a small pause. And as we said before, even in those readings, to stop after Alif Lam Mim would be correct because it is considered to be a verse here. Right? It is considered to be a verse here. Uh, another example, which I, you know, I don't have in terms of the screenshot, but it's an example that you'll be familiar with because it's a you know, one of the most well-known verses of the Qur'an is Ayat al-Kursi. Ayat al-Kursi in the Mus'haf of the second Madani, Makki and Basri, is two verses and not one. Ayat al-Kursi is two verses and not one. So in those Mus'hafs, those three Mus'hafs, 
Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyu al-qayyum is the end of a verse. And then the remainder of Ayat al-Kursi is the second verse. And so therefore, Ayat al-Kursi is two verses in the Mus'haf, not one. And so these are the differences that you'll come across, just to show you, because you know we don't have the time to go through all of the differences in, uh, in, in the numberings and so on. And by the way, when you say there's a difference of one verse extra or less, it doesn't mean that they've agreed on every other verse and it's only one discrepancy. No, even throughout the verses, they may differ as to, like we just gave the example of, 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 of Ayat al-Kursi. Right? We, make, we gave the example of Ayat al-Kursi. Basri says it's two verses, but he has one less overall, or, or, or one more, sorry, overall than, than we do. Makki says that it's two verses, but he has one less than the rest of us. And so therefore, there's going to be other places where they're going to differ with what it is that we're doing. That's just an example that we that we had. Um, then what we will do, for example, is we will, again, as we did before, we will go through Tajweed, we will go through uh, certain issues of Dabd and so on. So, for example, uh, just to give another example of this now, one of the things to do with Dabd, so Dabd, uh, as we said, or, or let's, before that, let's do Tajweed. Uh, one of the things that you will do, for example, when it comes to Tajweed, is the teacher will tell you, you know, something which people don't really focus on anymore, that when it comes to, for example, a ghunna, which is that holding sound that you make, the ghunna has different levels. They're not all of the same level. So, for example, let me get another color. Uh, the example would be, in terms of the difference in ghunna, between these two. Right? So, unzila and min qablik. In the Quranic reading, the ghunna that comes with the kaf and the qaf is closer to idhar, and the ghunna that comes with the dal and ta and ta is closer to idgham, and every other letter of the Arabic alphabet, the ghunna is in between those two. So, for example, the Arabs, when they read, or, or the Imams of Qiraat, when they read this verse and they come to the word unzila, they make it light, unzila. But when they come to the second one, that's more like it's idhar, min qablik. They don't say min, min, no, min qablik. That's how they do it. The other thing that you'll learn is when it comes to, for example, the ghunna, then the heaviness or the lightness of the ghunna depends on the letter that comes after it. So if the letter after it is a heavy letter like the qaf, the ghunna is going to be heavier. If the letter after it is, is a light letter like the zai, it's going to be a light ghunna. Unzila, min qablika. And so these are the different things, and these are now not just Tajweed issues, but very precise Tajweed issues. And these Tajweed issues are not even theoretical anymore. It's all about the hearing of the way that it's pronounced and the way that it's being read, and those small differences that you will see uh, you know, as, you, as you come to this. Then we can go, for example, to, uh, to um, the issue of, for example, Waqf and Ibtida, if we wanted to, in this particular passage, right? So again, we're not going through the whole uh, the whole page, just to give examples. So for example, again, min qablik, right? According to Imam Dani, min qablik here, that's like a, a place where you can pause, right? He calls it kaf. So you can say, وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكَ وَمَا أُنزِلَ مِن قَبْلِكَ وَبِالْآخِرَتِهُمْ يُوقِنُونَ Or you can carry on reading, right? And so that's an example of waqfan ibtida as it comes in. We have issues of script here. So, for example, the ula'ik, right? We said one of the ways of script, Arabic script, is that they add a letter. Or they add a letter which is not pronounced, but it's added in terms of the form, the script of the word. So, ula'ik, the wow, isn't something which is recited, but it's something which is written. 
And that's so that we could differentiate it between other words that may be similar like ilayka if the wow isn't there. That's an example of script. One of the other things that you will find um, that the um, that they will say, uh, and now this is going into dhabt, which is diacritical markings, and I just want to mention a couple of things because it's not something which most of us are familiar with, something that we've done. Um, but let me just uh, give an example of this so that we can see, inshallah ta'ala. So again, the word ula'ik, right, when it comes to dhabt. If you look at top of, on the top of the wow, and I know I know that this isn't the most clearest uh, image that you have, which is why I think it would have been a good idea for you to have your own uh, mushaf open, right? You see uh, a small circle on top of this wow. These markings, as we said, so the script is something which is tawqifi. It's something which is restricted to the text, because the Quran was written in the presence of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He approved that script. And when the companions wrote the Qur'an again and they compiled it in the time of Abu Bakr and Uthman عنهumah, they also did it in front of all of the companions and companions accepted that script. However, when it came to these other issues, which is everything else, all these markings, these vowels, these dots, as we said, that came later on. And so you will find from Mus'haf to Mus'haf, different scholars and different you know, committees of, of Imams and scholars may choose a type of marking over another. And that's their, that's their like prerogative. There's nothing wrong with that. The Saudi Mus'haf, the, the printing press in Saudi Arabia that's printed these Mus'hafs that are very common now, what they chose is to put over this well a circle. That circle is different to, for example, the Sukun. So if you look, for example, at the Sukun, uh, which is over here on the word Bil Ghaib, you see that's like kind of a very different shape in the way that it's done. Firstly, it's not a closed circle. Secondly, it's not even a circle. It's not necessarily round, but it's done almost as if it's like a the edge of an arrow. So this is the way that they chose to do their script. The circle that you find on top of the ula'ika, the wow and the ula'ika, is done to show that that's a word that's not pronounced. It's not read. It's written in script, but it's not a word that's read. Whereas the sukun is something which you need because it shows that you're going to join one letter to the next bil ghaybi. For example, the ghayn is going to be joined to the ya. That's an example of script. One of the other things that you will find, for example, when it comes to waqf al-ibtida, right? We said waqf al-ibtida is one of those sciences also in which there's a difference of opinion, right? It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, an agreed upon science. It is something which the scholars differed over. And so we will say, for example, therefore, that that too is something which the scholars are making their own judgments according, uh, according to them. So one of the things that they've done in these mushafs, as you know, is that they've tried to give people help, tried to give them these markings that say, if you need to pause and take a breath, this is a good place to pause. And that's why you'll hear when people are reading Taraweeh or the Imams of the Haram or other famous Imams, they don't necessarily stick to these markings and these pauses and stops. And that's because, as we said, it's not an issue which is restricted. It is something which if a person knows the rulings and the general principles that govern the science, they have a, a certain amount of leeway. But for example, uh, and, and I think generally just speaking, you know, even for myself, I try to just stick to what these uh, mushafs have in them because this mushaf, for example, was written or, or, or approved in terms of its script and so on and, and stops and starts and so on. It was approved by a whole committee of like 20 or 30 major scholars and imams from across the Muslim world. Many of them are famous imams of Qiraat from Egypt and from Syria and from Saudi Arabia and from other places. And so to have that body of knowledge saying something, you know, it's just easier unless you're an expert in your own right. 
Um, or you're going to, for example, like we did, go through uh, Adani's book and just take his. You know, then again, you're, you're you're following someone who has a great deal of knowledge when it comes to this. But one of the things that you'll see, for example, often is these triple dots, right? Two sets of three dots. This is in Arabic called ta'anuq, ta'anuq. And that's where you have very close to each other these three dots. And what those three dots, um, as I'm sure you know, you know mean, is that if you stop on one, you can't stop on the other. So this verse will be recited, ذَٰلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ هُدَلْ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Or, ذَٰلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ هُدَلْ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Or you just read the whole way through without stopping at all. ذَٰلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ هُدَلْ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ right? And so that's basically going to be the difference. That's a start and stop issue which is coming back to waqf and ibtida. And so now all of these things come together and you know, there, are, there are many more examples as well but I don't want to make this too uh, detailed or, or perhaps even too complicated. Just so that you know, the whole point of this special was just to see the beauty of how all of these sciences come together. It's not just theory, it's not just people studying them just so that they can be you know, in books or something. This is actually how the scholars, like the scholars used all of this when it came to actually compiling the Qur'an. And to have an appreciation increases the beauty of the Qur'an, it increases your attachment to the Qur'an, and it increases you know, your amazement at the knowledge of our religion and how Allah preserved it, that even to this extent, the script, the starting, the stopping, all of these issues is something which Allah has preserved when it comes to this religion and when it comes to his book. And then again, we could go through you know, issues, for example, there's, there's issues to do with, um, with, with qira'at, you know, so for example, the word as-salah, you know, is for example in Warsh is, is, is recited as salah, uh, the yu'minun again in, in certain qiraat like Warsh and Abu Ja'far is recited yu'minun and susi and so on. So, again, like there's plenty of things that a person could do when it comes to these types of issues as well. Uh, and one of the things that you will see when it comes to dhabt, if you go back to that issue of of of, uh, of dhabt, you know, which was the issue of diacritical markings. You know, one of the things that you'll notice in the Mus'haf is that they've done is that when it comes to the Fathatin, right, the double Fathas, the double Kasras, the double Dhammas, there's two ways that you'll find them written in the Mus'haf. Maybe you've never noticed this before, but if you open the Mus'haf, you'll find that sometimes those two lines, the ones that I just marked, the, the two Fathas, sometimes they're on top of one another, exactly on top of one another, and sometimes they're like this example that I gave here in Hudam Mir Rabbihim, where they're slightly angled or slanted. So they're not exactly on top of one another, but they're almost at a slight angle to one another. And there's a difference. There's a reason why the two is done. The first one, when they're on top of one another, is to show that it's a simple recitation, hudan, that there wouldn't be anything after it that you would join or merge with. But this slanted one is there to show that it's actually going to be merged with the letter that comes after it, which is in this case the meme. So you don't say hudan mir rabbihim, you say hudan mir rabbihim. Right? And so that's something again which they did in terms of the dhabt. This is diacritical markings. They made these decisions because for centuries this is how people have written their Quran. And so the, the scholars, they came and they said, yeah, that's a good way to do it because it makes it easy for the student, for the reader to understand what it is that they're meant to be doing with it when it comes to this particular recitation. Okay, so we're going to uh, go to our final set of examples, which is the last page of the Quran. And in these three surahs, which is Surah uh, Al-Ikhlas and Surah Al-Falaq and Surah An-Nas. Surah Falaq, Nas and Ikhlas. 
And just to give you some examples, and again, we're not going to go through too much in terms of detail, but just to simply give you an overview over some of the issues that we've been speaking about. So, for example, when it comes to the issue of Adul Ay, right, the counting of the verses, for example, in Surah Al Ikhlas, uh, the vast majority say that there is four verses, just as we have here in front of us. However, the Mecki and Shami Mus'hafs, they say that it is five verses. So where would they enter the where would they add the extra verse? They would add it here. Lam yalid walam yulad. That's two verses in the Makki and Shami Mus'haf. When it comes to Surah Falaq, there's no difference of opinion. Surah Falaq is exactly the same when it comes to Addul Ay. But if you were go to go to um if you were to go to if you were to go to Surah Nas, which is the final uh, surah of the Quran, then when it comes to this particular surah also, you'll find that the vast majority say that it's six verses like we have here, but the Mecki and Shami say that there's seven. So where's the extra one going to be for them? It's over here. Min sharril waswas. And that's a verse. al That's another verse. And this shows you the beauty of the Quran. And that stopping there also it has a great deal of benefits. You know, like uh, we don't have the time, but even from a tafsir point of view, it's amazing because it gives you an added view because whenever you stop, the Arabs stop somewhere so that what's mentioned afterwards is a form of emphasis. And so when Allah breaks up certain uh, verses, even though the meaning is all about the same thing, and sometimes the verses are connected, as you see, especially in the short, shorter surahs of the Quran, Allah is speaking about the descriptions of, for example, the people of Jannah, or some of the rewards of Jannah, and they're like two, three words in a verse, and it's still speaking about the same thing, but Allah is causing them to be split up in verses. And that is because the Arabs would do this in their poetry and so on, the pause and the stop is something which makes you think. And that's why the recitation of Hamza, where he stops a lot, he pauses a lot in the middle of a verse, is something which draws the attention. You know, like if you were to listen to all of the different qiraat, it's one of the most catching qiraat, because he's always pausing in the middle of verses. Always pausing in the middle of verses. And that's something which makes a person think. Like you just stop and you think, oh, he stopped again, he's paused again. And that's something which keeps the mind engaged also. Um, the, uh, the example that uh, I wanted to also give to you guys, if you go back to Surah Ikhlas, if you go back to Surah Al-Ikhlas, the other example that I wanted to give to you, just some of the things that we mentioned before, for example, this word Kufuwan, right? Kufuwan, when it comes to the two Fathahs, as I just said, sometimes the Fathahs are slanted, sometimes they're one on top of the other. If it's one on top of the other, it means that it's just read straight. So we don't say here, we don't make any Gunna here, or we don't do anything else, we just simply read Kufuwan Ahad. Kufuwan Ahad. But this word Kufuwan also is something as we know, in the Qiraat, there's a big difference as to how it's recited. Where the only ones, Hafs is the only one that reads it, Kufuwan, from all of the different Qiraat. Right? Some of them, the others read it Kufuan, and some of them read it Kufan. Right? So Kufuwan, only Hafs reads it like this. The vast majority either read it Kufuan or Kufan. Right? And that's another example that you will see. One of the other issues of Dabt when it comes to diacritical markings is the small meme. Right? The small meme that you have here. Uh, let me see. 
the small meme that you have here at the end of verse number four, right? That small meme is there to show you that if you were to join the dal to the next letter of the next surah, then that's something which will require you to change the dal, make qalb, right? Which is what we call qalb. Qalb, and, uh, which is what the classical scholars of Tajweed used to call it. They wouldn't call it iqlab. Iqlab was a later, uh, later terminology that was developed. But the old books call it qalb. The old imams used to call this qalb, where you change the tanween into a meme sound when the next letter is ba. And that's obviously if you're going to join it onto the basmala. So if you say, وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٌ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ So that's what that meme is for. That meme is from Dabd. It's not from the Rasm, it's not from the script of the Qur'an. This is things that the scholars then came over and said because people didn't know. People would be reading أَحَدٌ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ Like many people still read today because they don't necessarily study Tajweed or no Tajweed. And so what the scholars did is that they came and they added these types of issues so that people would understand what it is and what it's referring to and they would go through all of this. Um, by the way, there's not a difference in terms of the numbering of verses in every surah of the Qur'an. Some of the surahs have exactly the same numbering in all of the musahif. For example, Surah Al-Falaq. Surah Falaq is a verse, is a surah in which there is no difference. So all of the musahif have it as five verses and all of them agree on the endings as well. That Each of the five verses is as you see in front of you here and in the mushaf that we have. So these are just some examples that I wanted to give to you, to you in today's uh, lesson. Um, I, you know, I just wanted to uh, put this across because, as I said before, that it's something which, unfortunately, now time is becoming less and less in terms of the study and appreciation of these of these um, sciences. Not that necessarily, you know, every single one of you will necessarily go and read the Quran in this way and study in this way, but even so, just being aware of it, you know, knowing it, knowing that this knowledge exists, having an appreciation for it, and then when you have people who are imams of qira'ah, you know, when uh, it's not like the normal. The Quran teacher that you may have in your masjid or the imam of your masjid. I'm talking about the imams of this science who have dedicated their lives decades just to learning all of these different sciences that come with Quranic reading. And often those imams are not very well known. Those scholars are not very well known. They're not your imams of the haram, for example. They're not your famous imams, you know, with maybe one or two exceptions. But generally speaking, they're not the famous ones that you've heard of. These are people who you probably would never have come across, never have heard of unless you're into this stuff and you and you actively follow and read up on this stuff. But they exist. They're all across the Muslim world. Um, Alhamdulillah, there's still a number of them that are living and, and still teaching this way and still preserve this knowledge. And, you know, it's like one of those things sometimes where you get on like, you know, these documentaries that tell you that the old way of doing stuff is being lost and it's like a tradition that was passed down from generation to generation. But now with technology and all of this stuff, uh, it's kind of being lost. Sometimes some of our sciences are also being lost. And these scholars who are fulfilling this role do so because they're doing what is their fault kifaya. They're, they're, they're preserving a collective obligation for us because if that knowledge was to be lost, no one's studying it, no one's learning it, no one's teaching it, then all of us are sinful. But by them preserving this knowledge, then it's something which, um, you know, which, is, uh, which is very important. So this was, even for myself, you know, having done the ijaz a number of times, the number of teachers, and had the opportunity to study with a number of, of scholars, even for, for me, this was a completely different way in terms of reading the Qur'an. And one of the benefits of this is that it makes it something which is much stronger in your mind when it comes to these other sciences, not necessarily Tajweed, because most of us, I think, that are serious about Qur'an will learn Tajweed and try to practice Tajweed. But when it comes to starting and stopping and script and the numbering of verses and all of this, now we kind of understand and have an appreciation 
of all of these other sciences and how they come together. And even those scholars who, by the way, uh, you know, for example, put together the, the Mus'haf, or they, they were part of the, uh, the, the committee that approved the, the, this particular script of the Mus'haf and its writing and so on. The amount of painstaking work that it must have included just for them to be able to do this is something which is, um, you know, which is, which is very important. Okay, so that's kind of the end of what I had. So unless there's some questions, um, you know, inshallah ta'ala, we can conclude for today. Um, and we have, by the way, for those of you that are part of Al-Isnad or attend Al-Isnad, we have a Q&A on our Telegram group uh, for Al-Isnad now in about 10 minutes. So I am kind of limited in time on time. But inshallah ta'ala, let's see what we can what we can uh, take. Okay, let me just change the screen. Okay, how do you explain some of the differences in the writing of the Quran to small but very close children without confusing them? For instance, they ask sometimes why the big alif is used and other times the short alif is used. Um, I think that's something which maybe is difficult to explain to a child, um, especially a young child maybe. Uh, but maybe that's something which you can explain to them in terms of the general thing that this is how the Arabs used to write it and there's many reasons and then you know as they grow up you can perhaps give them some examples of this and how it's written um, what if you can explain to them for example the way that the Quranic script or the Arabic script used to be written originally without any of the uh, dots and without any of the vowels and so on that's probably something which will uh, you know may make amaze them and give them some some type of insight into what the, the way that the Arabs used to write and read and as we said some a lot of those differences therefore in script is because of the Arabs using like a very picture form uh, way of communication that those words they would just know that that form must be that word whereas that form you know could be a different word like the, like the example that we gave last week of Umar and Amr you know just having that well made them immediately understand and even till today is still written that way Umar and Amr even though now we have the Fatha, Dhamma, Kasra and all sorts but it's just written that way because that was just the form that they had and you know, it's just kind of uh, stuck uh, to that. So like the word ulaika is often written the same way today with that wow, even though it's not pronounced, just because it's something which the Arabs did and it's kind of stuck together until our time, as opposed to other things like al-alamin. We wouldn't write it in the way that it's scripted in the Quran now. In normal Arabic, it's written with the alif. And that's one of those things. It's like often now Arabic is written the way that it sounds, whereas in the Quranic script, not necessarily the case. Okay. Okay, I don't see any more questions, but inshallah ta'ala, if you have any more questions, put them up and inshallah before our next lesson, I will look again at this particular uh, particular lesson, see any comments or questions that have been added. Um, and your feedback would be good as well in the comments. Like, you know, this is something which I do and I don't know necessarily how many people will be interested or necessarily would want to learn this kind of thing. But I think it's very interesting and I think that we're very, um, you know, as, as students of QP, this is like right up our road if we're not interested who's going to be interested but uh, you know let me know give me feedback if you think that it's something you would like me to do here and there and other sciences and so on we can and if you think that it's not really you know just get on with the tafsir uh, and let's just continue then that's something which we can do as well but it's something which um, for me I think it's important and uh, sciences that are studied very regularly especially in the west have a right upon us in terms of us preserving that knowledge, not only for ourselves, but inshallah ta'ala, for the future generations as they come and as they also learn about the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So with that, we're going to end inshallah ta'ala. Our Q&A for Islam begins in a few minutes, 9 p.m. UK time. Um, and so inshallah ta'ala, I'm just going to take a few minutes to set that up and then 
uh, inshallah ta'ala we will see you next week so next week or next lesson we begin with the tafsir of surah tariq so we're going back to our tafsir inshallah ta'ala and we're continuing with surah tariq barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa sallamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh